So welcome to PSG Talking Presents. This is our African Cup of Nations preview for 2019. Um, I first want to introduce our distinguished panel. Uh, I'll start uh, with John Olangi, our uh, longtime contributor. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, just relaxing, taking some time off, uh, you know, ready to talk some African football. All right, and uh, we have two new voices on the show today. First time uh, with us. Uh, we're going to start with Fadi. Just introduce yourself and your, a little bit about your background. All right, guys, I'm uh, Fadi Romlawi. Um I'm uh, originally from Egypt and uh, will be supporting Egypt at the AFCON this year. Uh, however, I'm pretty excited for the Champions League and Europa League finals as well as the, the AFCON tournament. It looks like it's going to be pretty intense and there's a lot of superpowers that you know that might rise up to the yes, occasion absolutely thank you for coming on and also we have one of my uh a twitter friends who i've communicated with a bunch over the last couple years or so um sebastian introduce yourself how's it going sebastian here uh how can i start originally from the french islands French is my first language uh, we had a bad year for football club-wise, but we did well nationally. And I'm actually ready for the African Cup of Nations. Great tournament. I'm actually super pumped. More pumped than the Champions League, surprisingly. Yeah, and, um, I'm, I won't, I won't say for sure that this is the most, I think, star-studded, maybe deepest African Cup of Nations field that I've seen. But it's one of the first times that I'm really going to take a look at this tournament in depth because it feels bigger. It feels like it's, you know, it, it has a, it's, it, it shares the stage with the Copa America every four years or so. But I feel like star power wise, this, this tournament is maybe for the first time sort of on that kind of, uh, or nearing that kind of level. So just to give a little background, a little, uh, history. Uh, African Cup of Nations, the first one was in 1957. That actually was a three-team tournament. It was supposed to be a four-team tournament, but South America was disqualified for apartheid. So, that year it was won by Egypt. Uh, Egypt is the most successful team at the AFCONs. They've won it seven times. The defending champions are Cameroon. They've won it five times. Uh, this tournament was originally supposed to take place in, um, let's see, that's 17. The 2019 was originally supposed to take place in, sorry, I'm trying to go through, it was, yeah, it was supposed to be in Cameroon, but um, civil unrest has moved the tournament to Egypt, which has the infrastructure to take on a tournament of this size at such sort notice. Um I'll start with John. Um, how, just talk about your sort of background, because we've talked about it in the past, but maybe not in necessarily great detail to the larger audience, but you originally are from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yes, I am. Um, I was born there. Um, my parents, you know, moved me and uh, three of my siblings here to the States um, in like 2004, 2005-ish. Um, so, you know, I'm, you know that's, that's kind of, you know, the passion for soccer, you know, growing up, you know, being born in Africa and that really being the only sport that we can follow and that we're familiar with, unlike here in the States where you have multiple sports to follow. So, you know, that's really where the, the passion for soccer stems from. But yeah, you know, just being born from the Congo and Kind of the reasons that my, my parents felt that we needed to get out of there is, is going to tie into some of what we're going to talk about here in terms of politics and wars and, and those type of, uh, those types of, uh, uh, things that kind of dictates most African people's lives and in terms of their well-being and livelihoods and things of that nature. Um, and Fadi, you are, as you said, originally from Egypt. So how did your sort of soccer fandom start? And how big is soccer in Egypt right now? Uh, well, I started as a child. Uh, Egypt is by far the uh, the most uh, 
popular sport in Egypt. Um, uh, that alongside, well, I mean, we're, uh, Egyptians are often more successful in squash, but, but as a population, uh, everyone more or less follows uh, follows uh, soccer or football. And um, uh, yeah, so it started f- from, from very early years. Um, recently, though, after the last World Cup, uh, there was kind of a dip in morale. Uh, after you know uh, issues with the Egyptian FA and the treatment of its players and uh, the use of Salah for different uh, political reasons, him being our star player and uh, perhaps us being too dependent on him uh, for for chance creation and goals. Um, so uh, we're basically uh, more or less looking forward to him hopefully carrying the team uh, with with Egypt hosting the competition. Uh, that is more likely than it is unlikely since uh, the, the fans can get pretty riled up. Uh, there are still issues with fans uh, attending stadiums uh, ever since, uh, uh, I believe it was 2012, when there was the Port Said massacre. Uh, so that that can really show the, the intensity of uh, the Egyptian fan base uh, when following football. Uh, Sebastian, you go ahead and tell your, uh, your kind of soccer story and uh what you're kind of looking forward to in this uh in this tournament so uh soccer story uh i started at a very young age soccer is the number one sport by far in haiti it's life or death pretty much it's the only time people in this country actually get to you get to take a break from all the political tensions you get 90 minutes of peace whenever there's a game going on that's how it works pretty much but it started at a, at a very young age very popular sport in the household, very popular sport back home. I was always gravita- gravitated to France. That's how it always was. And I pretty much grew up a France fan. Uh, and then moved over to PSG when I started learning in like 2005, 2006 on my own. And that was it pretty much. Yeah, and... uh I think uh, two. I think three out of the four of us are PSG fans. Fadi, who do you uh, support club team wise? Uh, mostly Arsenal. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. All right. No, I don't. I, I, of all the English teams, I don't. I don't mind Arsenal. I can sometimes laugh at their pain, but I, I don't. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it's not. It's. I don't have a boiling hatred for them. But um. All right. So let's get. Uh, let's get. Ooh. I don't know if you're watching the uh, the under twenty. I know John, you just saw that goal, right? Yes. Okay, there it is. My TV was a little delayed. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was gangster. All right. Wow. Uh, a little a little sidebar here. We'll come right. Well, all right. Here we go. Uh, let's let's get it started then. So, um, what does this tournament mean to the uh, to the teams? To really these teams and these players involved? How big is the African Cup of Nations? It's is it at a point right now where you can say that it's – I don't know if you can say that that worldwide it's in that stratosphere as the Euros or the Copa America, but I, I feel like this year it's – I think it has a better platform to succeed. It's on BN Sports in the United States. Um, it has a load of stars in it that maybe previous years – it didn't have, or at least to a broader audience. John, um, how important is this tournament? How uh, how do you see it? How do you see this tournament uh, kind of standing out in a summer where you have a, a Copa America and a Women's World Cup? Well, it's um, I'm a little, you know, I have mixed feelings on it, uh, just... You know, from a football standpoint, as a fan, yes, I'm always happy that we have a tournament. You know, just some of my friends personally, they don't follow soccer that much. So, like, the NBA, fi- NBA Finals are about to start next week. And after that, they don't really have nothing to watch. They don't watch baseball or anything. So, as a soccer fan, we're privileged to have these tournaments uh, pretty much every summer. So, from that standpoint, I'm, you know, it's... It's a good thing for this tournament, and 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 like I think Sebastian just pointed out, uh, most of these countries, man, they're going through something. <laughs> uh, just from a political standpoint, that's very unnecessarily uh, traumatizing to to the to the citizens of each nation. 
So soccer being on TV or you going to the game for that 90 minutes or extra time, like that's that's a moment of peace or a moment to pretty much get away from all the BS. So from that standpoint, I know that all the players are going to be up for it. Um, but just as the, you know, the, the, the federation within itself, um, you know, the Women's World Cup is this year and, and, and some of these African nations are in the Women's World Cup. And, you know, I, I think they had a, they had the opportunity to, 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 to put the tournament on even years. Uh, so it falling this year kind of removes the visibility for the women's game. Uh, and I feel like they had, you know, they, they, they could have did it to where they put it on opposite years to put it a year where it's not the same year as the women's world cup to give the women's game that visibility that it deserves. But, you know, it, it speaks to, it speaks to some of the things that overall the federation still lacks in terms of just the simple things and, 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 and paying attention to the visas and how people are going to travel to these, to these, um, to these stadiums. And, you know, they don't really consider all that. It's not like in Europe where you can get on a train and get to another country in an hour. You know, these people have to pay so much money and then they, they're limited with, with, with visas and passports and things to get to these countries. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on within the, the African Federation within itself. But I think just purely from a football standpoint, like this is, like you said, is one of the more star studded uh, tournaments, uh, for the, for the African Cup of Nations. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really phenomenal. Um, uh, Fadi, Egypt is not, uh, a stranger to hosting these tournaments. And if there's any country in Africa where you would want to host one of these, I think South Africa or Egypt are the two places that sort of have that infrastructure in place to really do it well. Um, what is your sort of, what do you think the excitement level is right now for this tournament and this, and what it can bring to Egypt right now at this sort of point in time? Uh, sky high with, uh, with the, the population's morale, uh, not, uh, not at its peak. Uh, usually f- football is what we look to, to cheer us up. Uh, and we really kind of need it after after the last year the World Cup display, um, where we got pretty much zero points uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, and with as John mentioned, the uh, the uh, the the issues with fans or away fans traveling to different African countries to support will will maybe play a role. Uh, when it comes to uh, how Egypt plays against such teams with such a strong backing from the fans, despite uh, issues regarding uh, high ticket prices, the stadiums will still be full, uh, at least for, uh, for Egyptian games at least. Uh, in terms of infrastructure, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could kind of echo that. Uh, you could tell uh, in a lot of qualification games, uh, the pitches were all, always, almost always not in peak condition in certain countries. Uh, so it's hopefully Egypt does a good job with it. Uh, I believe we have six different uh, host cities, uh, which should be enough, uh, with the two main ones being uh, Burj Al Arab in uh, and Alexandria and the uh, Cairo Stadium in Cairo. Um, hopefully, they'll be able to run it smoothly, and uh, no issues will arise. And Sebastian, your uh, how does this tournament stack up to everything else going on this summer? I I feel like it's at a it's at a good place now. It, it's 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 better than it ha- than it has been. It's been a while since the African Cup of Nations has had this much star-studded power compared to the Copa America or these other tournaments. But I feel like it's in a good place. I think it, it should be the second or third biggest tournament. I will put the Women's World Cup before. It still has a long way to go, but it's getting there, I feel. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, venue-wise, I mean, I like Egypt for it. I feel like infrastructure-wise, Egypt, Egypt just does help the other African countries by themselves sometimes so they could make a proper bid because they are far behind when it comes to infrastructure. But yeah, it's, a, it's at a good place. It's much better than it was. Well, and I did mention uh, earlier did uh, this tournament was originally supposed to take place in Cameroon, but um, yeah. 
very uh, unfortunate, and I, I say that sort of uh, maybe I'm understating how it, the issue, but um, there's a lot of issues in that country, and I feel bad because they were the defend, they are the defending champions, and they would have well, been able to defend their title at home, but now again a setback, and I think any time you have to move a tournament. It's a huge setback to that federation or any, or I just, I don't, that to me is a problem because it's not the first time this has happened. Um, in fact, this, uh, was supposed to happen. Yeah, the last one. The last one. The last one was, suppo- was supposed to be in Libya. Yeah. And they switched it to Gabon, uh, Gabon. Um, and you can't trivialize it and say that home court advantage isn't really important. You look at how Russia did, you know, nobody thought Russia was going to make any damage in the World Cup. Yeah. And them playing on home soil was, was pretty big for them. Oh, yeah. And also, not even just 2017, but 2015, the tournament was moved as well. It was supposed to originally take place in Morocco. But the yep. Ebola, the Ebola epidemic had it moved to uh, Equatorial Guinea. So that's three consecutive, um, and I want to see if there's even a fourth, but uh, three consecutive cup, uh, African Cups of Nations that have had to have been moved. Yeah. Uh, to add on to what you said, also to piggyback off of it, I think it's a wake up call to, to these other African nations also, because Cameroon, they wanted to get into the big I feel like they didn't think they were going to get it. So now when they were called upon, there was last minute scrambling for stadium renovation to the point where I think that the AFCON president was saying, even with four teams, Cameroon was not, would not be ready to host the, the tournament. So it was a wake up call for them. Now it showed to them, it showed to them that all the opportunities that they lost out on, that they passed out on, it, it's a thing. So now they're, it's been given out to Egypt. Egypt has been doing well. It has to be a balance of things. You can't just have a good team and then not have the other side, which is infrastructure, which is the, all the rules and regulations that you have to follow, but you don't meet these conditions, right? It goes both ways. And I think it's a big wake-up call for all these other countries that missed out on the bid. I, I just hope that we get to a point where it, they can spread this tournament around to the African nations and use it as a, um, and use it as a way to attract businesses to boost some economies, as opposed to having it be this hot potato that constantly has to be passed and moved. It just, it's not a great look for their, um, federation. Now, uh, we, we've been talking about this and I'll kind of jump into it. This is, in my opinion, a good chance for this tournament to really take center stage in certain ways because you look at the um you look at two things that have sort of happened over the last 5 years or so which is that France has become and maybe even longer than 5 years probably more like 10 to 15 that the French league has created this pipeline into Africa through various ways that that happened we could have a a colonization discussion about that, but the fact is, a lot of African players come through the French league as their initial uh, as their initial foray into European football. And right now, in the English Premier League, the golden boot was shared by three African players. So you can't. Um, so the influence right now of African football, or at least African footballers, on the major European game is probably at its peak level, John. Yeah, definitely. Like you like you just mentioned, um, just Salah, Aubameyang, and Mane uh, winning the Golden Boot. And then you're looking in, in the Champions League, you have Serge Aurier, uh, Vincent Wanyama, uh, Mane and Salah, you know, and I think, uh, Joe, Joe Matip and Nabi Keita. That's about four or five Africans right there playing in the biggest stage of, of club soccer, um, in a, in a week or two here. And, you know, I think more so than anything, 
um, if the politics and, and all of those things are going on and, and, and disrupting the, and the, 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 the logistics of the game, the game itself, like technically, it's, it's for African nations, it's, it's trending upwards because those players are now playing with, with a larger visibility, right? Like people know who Sadio Mane is now. People are, are going to know who, who some of these other African players are, you know, on a larger scale. And I think that bodes well for, uh, for the entire continent of Africa, especially when it comes to soccer. And, 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 it, you know, it, it comes down to also, uh, you know, the media, right? Like it's, are, are, are you, are you going to play, are you going to show an African match on, on an ESPN or a Fox Sports or somewhere else where people don't have to go through paywalls and, and have to find streaming links and stuff like that to find the game? So, you know, it, there's a lot of things play into it, but man, like I said, like we've all been saying, this is going to be a special, uh, African Cup of Nations just because of the, 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 the quality of players. And, and most of us, we know how good some of these African players are, but a lot of people don't, you know, most, you know, they, a lot of players come from Europe and South America that are visibly that great, but, you know, you can argue Mo Salah is one of, you know, is on the celebrity level of a, an Mbappe and a Neymar and, a, and Ronaldo's and Messi, even though quality wise, he might not be exactly at their level, but celebrity wise, he's up there. And I think that bodes well for the entire continent. Uh, Sebastian, um, we've had a good stretch of time over the, uh, probably this millennium where African players have been at the peak or in the center of a lot of what has been going on in European football. We can talk about uh, Didier Drogba as a prime example of that. I'm sure you can give more, but just kind of speak to how that has evolved over the last 15 years or so, where the African footballer has sort of taken center stage in Europe. In Europe. Well, like I said earlier before, this is it's been a while since the competition that has had this much, this many stars. And I feel like now these stars, they, they've reached another level of stardom. So it's not just Drogba, who was that, who was that guy at Chelsea. Or it was just not, it was not Ayubayor who had that three, three or five year run. It's becoming more consistent now. So I feel like they're realizing, all right, we don't just need goal scorers. We could have that guy who's that next to It's not just a sin now. There's more guys. We could, we could all play in the championship. We don't need to just be the workhorses. We could also be the finesse players. We could be the technical guys. We could be, we could be the stars that people want to take pictures with. We could model. We could do these type of things so we could make the brand bigger. So I feel like there's a lot of progress in that thing. Yeah. I feel, I feel like they are better than these guys were at that. Yes. They're not as, they're not as close. It's not just the, the political influence that they used to have now to be the spokesperson of this. They could do other things instead of being the spokesperson for whatever country they're from. It, it, it's becoming more to them now. Yeah. And I'd also like to just throw Samuel Ato's name in here too as a, uh, as one of those yeah, sort of, can, yeah. as one of those, uh, pioneers of what we're talking about now and uh i think it's fair to say fadi that the most uh famous african player right now is mohammed salah and it's not to me his rise in liverpool is not even so much his talent i think it's that he just he has a weird kind of charisma about him. I think when he plays, people look at him and they just, they do fall in love with the way he plays. And that season he had at Liverpool, Liverpool is one of the most famous clubs in the world. And here's this guy that sort of came in sort of under the radar and has, and he had one of the best Premier League seasons as a goal scorer last year. And this year was pretty good too. So, what has his uh, stardom, how has that sort of changed the dynamic in Egypt? Because you could probably tell me the last great Egyptian soccer player before Mo Salah, but the name does not come to the top of my head. 
Uh, you're gonna have to say Abu Treka. Uh, he, he has he's never been to Europe, so maybe that's not he's that's probably why he's not a household name. But if you ask a lot of uh, people who, who who watched Abu Treka play, he if he would have gone to Europe, he would have been at that top level. Uh, he, he was such a classy. He was a number ten uh, player. Uh, he was such a classy, so elegant uh, player. He, he, but he, I don't think he ever reached Salah's level in terms of uh, goal scoring and in terms of obviously stardom. He, Salah is probably the best Egyptian player of all time and uh, certainly the most famous. Uh, but if you look at his season, uh, at least this season, uh, Mane has, uh, I think, scored more goals in total than Salah, uh, including the Champions League. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, I, I mean, they, they share the golden, the Premier League golden boot. But uh, in terms of African players, he's not as far ahead as his stardom may lead people to believe. Uh, you look at players like uh, Koulibaly, one of the top centre-backs in the world. Uh, as, 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 uh, as John mentioned, uh, you have Matip, you have Aubameyang, who sadly won't be playing uh, at, at the tournament because Gabon didn't qualify. Um, but uh, his charisma does certainly take him a long, a long way. It's not just the way he carries himself on the pitch. Well, he is seen as someone who, previously at least, as uh, someone who's honest and uh, uh, carries himself truthfully and uh, works hard for the team. Uh, off the pitch, he, he you hear all a bunch, a bunch of stories about his charitable. Acts and the way he takes so much time for the fans and uh, just invests so much of his time uh, into being a likable person. Uh, it, it does help his game. I mean, uh, and the the kind of uh, times he's been doubted throughout his career ever since he left Egypt. Uh, so many journalists have doubted him when, when he went to Basel. Uh, after that, when he went to Chelsea and then moved uh, to Fiorentino on loan, after which moving to Roma, he, he's, al- he's always had his doubters, and him overcoming uh, or, or over, yeah, overcoming all these uh, doubts uh, certainly made him a more likable character. You know, to be seen as the hero, as the as the, the, the underdog from Africa who's uh, who's succeeding at the top stage. And I want to follow up on that, just and spin that into another kind of topic here, Fadi. Does is Egypt in the best position of any African nation to sort of take advantage of all of this and start to field a legitimate, like I wouldn't maybe say championship World Cup contender, but a team that can consistently get into the second into the knockout stage. I know they didn't do well in this tournament. But you have to hope that Salah's um, Salah's ability to sort of be that star is going to certainly help a bit, you would think. Mm. But you think the relative, and I use the term relative stability of Egypt, is going to help that uh, help them sort of take advantage, and if not them, who? Because there has to be, I think, just by law of averages, there's going to be an African team that makes a deep run another deep run in the World Cup, sort of like Ghana did a bunch of years ago. Is Egypt positioned to do that? I, I don't think Egypt is at the top... Uh, it's not in the most advantageous position to take advantage uh, of Salah and his stardom because of the lack of support he has going forward. Um the, the the lack of I mean Egypt is just too reliant on him at the moment, and um, given given uh, the the issues with the Egyptian FA last year and the way uh, he was kind of used to uh, for for political reasons in meeting the Chechenia president and having uh, uh, having him take so much time outside of football and focusing just on the next game. To, to get involved in all this, uh, I, I suppose, uh, peripheral stuff, it certainly doesn't help. Um, I, I don't actually think Egypt is at... No, no. I, I think a country like Senegal, with a much better manager in uh, in, uh, in Aliou Sisse, he's, he had, he had, 
he did a fantastic job at the World Cup. You see how the camp, the Senegalese camp, is so happy. They're not reliant on one player. If if Salah was 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 a player in Senegal, I mean, I think they'd be in a much more advantageous position. Um, for the sake of this tournament, I think Egypt mainly have a chance because uh, of two reasons: Salah and uh, and the fans. Not not. The manager is still new. He's been playing three at the back. He's been experimenting with different uh, lineups. Uh, he seems uh, good, uh, like a little better than our previous manager, playing some more attacking football, which could uh, bode well in the African uh, Cup of Nations, given the threat we have in Salah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I think the Egyptian FA can do a lot more, and hopefully they will do a lot more to help uh, you know Egypt. Get back to their that that era of, uh, of domination in the African Cup of Nations, and hopefully to the next World Cup in Qatar and uh, further than the group stage. Yeah, and Sebastian, there's also four. Uh, I would say three other teams that I think about in that that I think have the ability to take advantage of sort of the growth of the African footballer in Europe, and that's Senegal, Nigeria, and the Ivory Coast. And maybe you can throw Cameroon in there as a, as a fourth. Um, out of all of those teams, which one do you think is best? Uh, which te- which FA, which uh, group, which team is best set to take advantage of all of this and maybe become that power in uh, Africa that really can transcend into the global game? I would say... I mean, it has to be Nigeria because they are the more developed country infrastructure-wise and they have the more fluid economy. But Ivory Coast and Cameroon have been consistent in shelling out players. We think of Tamiletto, but we also think of guys like Alex Song, Supermorting, who I shouldn't be mentioning. But there are a few other guys. like They've, they've had guys who consistently played in the Europa League and so on. But I would say it's Nigeria. They've been consistent. They have the fluid economy. They have the the infrastructure. They're building new stadiums. They have these sort of things going on to them. And they have a very exciting youth and a very stable support system. And um, the gentleman, I forgot forgot his name. His name is Moore, the German guy who runs the federation and who is the coach. He's been very consistent in shelling out guys and make sure they are stable and knowing what they're supposed to do and keeping themselves as professional as possible. The whole complete package. So I would say it has to be them. And I'd probably throw Mali in there since they are growing, but they are not at that Ivory Coast or Cameroon level just yet. And John, answer that question for me. Which team do you see as best set up to break out? Um, like, like, uh, Sebastian just said, uh, from an infrastructure and an economical standpoint, uh, I believe Nigeria would be that answer. But if we're talking about football-wise, talent-wise, I think Senegal, straight up and down, are have have what it takes to to reach um, international football. You know what I mean? The, the, on, on that on that Mount Rushmore level, uh, if you look at you know the way they went out in the World Cup. It was pretty cruel with the fair play rules, whatever that happened with Japan, where they were tied in the table, but uh, Japan ended up going on fair play rules. But if they had got into the knockout stages of that tournament, they would have went deep. Um, so I, I believe for me, it would be Senegal. Just just looking at their entire back line uh, of Salif Sane, Koulibaly, and then you go to the you go to the midfield, and you have. Um, you have Adrisa, uh, Adrisa Gay and, 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 uh, who, who else do they have? That, uh, Kate, Kate Balde and, 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 and these, and these type of players. Kuyate. Yeah, Kuyate, Ismail Isar, Niang. Obviously, Mane is one of the best players in football, in my opinion, and he's their leader. He's their, their driving force. And, and just, just from that perspective, in terms of overall talent from midfield, defense and, and going forward, I think they have what it takes to, to be among, amongst the best teams uh, in international football. 
yeah, and I want to start. Uh, let's start actually getting into the uh, into the the actual tournament. Um, group A. It is a twenty four team tournament. Um, I believe how it works is there are four groups of six. It is the uh, top two in each group, and then the top four uh, third place teams. So. I'll repeat that. The top two teams in each group plus the top four third place teams, that gets you to um that gets you to sixteen teams. And then they'll do a knockout stage from there. So it'll be pretty hard not to it's it's pretty hard to not make it to the knockout round if you're one of the top teams. Sort of like last year uh the two thousand sixteen European Championships where you pr- as long as you finished third, you were probably okay. So we'll go, uh, we'll go through each group. And actually in the group stage, we won't necessarily talk about the favorites in that group. We'll talk about the team that you don't see making it. That fourth, who would be that fourth place team and who would be the, I guess the top three teams, if that makes sense, what I'm saying. So group A consists of Egypt, uh, Fadi's, uh, homeland, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is John's. Uganda and Zimbabwe. Who would be the odd man out in that equation, or the odd team out in that equation, John? Yeah, I would probably go with uh, Zimbabwe, even though I live there as well. Um, when I moved from the Congo, we moved to Zimbabwe before we came to America. Um, I just, I just, just looking at it, I, I believe Egypt and, and the Congo, and I'm not even being biased. I just think we had a uh, the Congo had a strong uh, qualifying. Uh, uh, round of matches leading up to the tournament, and uh, I just don't see Zimbabwe get, making it out of that, uh, getting any points really. But again, football, anything can happen. But I, I believe I don't see them getting out that group. Um, anybody have anything different to say about that group, or is it pretty much straightforward? Nah, I agree. Uh, Uganda at least have a have some aerial ability and uh, a great keeper in Onyango, uh, but Zimbabwe are out for me. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you guys said. I, I I don't see them making it through also. But I feel like we could see, we could have a surprise though. I, I, thought, I see the Congo finishing first and Egypt going second. But I think Zimbabwe might just finish third. It's just me, I don't know. Well, it's possible. Again, you have to, you got, the games have to get played out. Um you don't get you get Egypt in the DRC uh, in week uh, in the second round of matches, so that's probably the big round for that group. Yeah, um, Group B: uh, Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea, Madagascar, and Burundi. Uh, Seb, is it Nigeria and Guinea? Is it that and Madagascar third? Does Burundi have really any chance in this, or? I'm trying to be nice, but I do. I see Madagascar finishing third, but then I also see Guinea finishing second. I feel like Nigeria can cruise through the group stage, but eventually break down later. Uh, but then I do say I do say Nigeria finishes first, Guinea goes second, and then Burundi third. Madagascar third, and then Burundi goes last. John, any anything else on that, or is it pretty straightforward? Yeah, I agree with that, and I, I definitely agree with the Nigeria thing. I believe they'll get through the group. The, 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 the stage, group stage is pretty fine, but I, I believe they'll they'll be exposed a little later on. Well, talk about Nigeria for a second. Who right now are their uh, go-to top players? I mean, <laughs> Alex Iwobi, John Miguel. John, what's his name? John Obi well, he's, he's coming back as the main guy, the 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 the, the guy who was which, leading the team. Yeah, which which for me is a problem, right? And I, and I I respect him as a player. I think he's he you know he, he's he's put in his work. But it, if we're talking about Nigeria and and just type the type of talent that you would think would come out of there, you know, I I don't see I don't think he should be the you know the the guy, but he, he's he's a proven player, and he you know, he helped them he helped them uh, in the World Cup uh, in the match. Oh, 
Uh, but I think uh, if you look at Ahmed, Ahmed Musa, he's another older player who kind of shows up in big matches. And, and you know, I think one of the, 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 the standouts that we'll have to look out for is Wilfred Ndidi, their midfielder. Yeah, Ndidi. He, uh, he led, like, the Premier League in tackles in the last two seasons. He's, he's one of those guys who, like, a lot of big European, European clubs are going to have an eye on. So, you know, they have they have stability there, but I think overall uh, the firepower at, at, for, for, for the end goals and and and, and, and the in the fa- in the final third, I don't I don't see I don't see them limiting. Yeah. Um, uh, a little sidebar quickly, Fadi. Are there too many teams in this? Is it, would sixteen <laughs> be better, or is it good uh, to get these teams in a, a high prof- these lower teams in higher profile tournaments? Is it is there a greater good to be served by having all these teams in there? Or can we go back to 16 and everybody be okay with it? Um, I mean, it's good to give everyone a chance. I suppose um, it kind of dilutes the quality of the of the tournament. But um, it will always be a test of organization, and Africa could always use more of that. Uh, you have two debutants in this group, in Madagascar and Burundi. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, it's not always better to have more matches. I'd, I'd prefer the, the 16 countries. Uh, I don't think an Afghan, like an, uh, a continental tournament should be, uh, should have that many tournaments. Uh, should have that many teams. And as we go to Group C, Fadi, you have Senegal, Algeria, who are two World Cup caliber clubs, uh, club, uh, World Cup caliber national teams. They, 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 will make their teams that will make the World Cup. And then you have Kenya and Tanzania. So I'll just go ahead. Yeah. I'll just take a moment to, to, to talk about Senegal and uh, Alio Cisse and what he's been doing with them. Uh, if, if you follow the World Cup closely or at least the Senegal uh, games, you, you can see their excellent defensive shape, positioning, time pressing with someone like uh, a Liverpool player like Sadio Mane leading the press. Uh, he might start off, start off on the left in a four-four-two, but uh, CSA has been proved that he's, he's uh, flexible with different formations. Uh, he will definitely force long balls from different opponents, as seen in the World Cup, which will frustrate a lot of uh, African players, African teams. Sorry, uh, they they tend to shift play horizontally very quickly, and the, the quick transitions from attack to defense, uh, like them just falling uh, back. Uh, into into defensive shape so quickly, it'll, it will probably be what will carry them through. Uh, as we know, defense uh, wins uh, championships and attack will win their them games. Um, so I, and with, with the talent they have, and Sadio Mane, Idrissa Ganage, Kriate, Yusuf Sabali, who was a very good fullback, uh, Kita Baldadio, Obviously, Kaldu Kulabali, Salif Sane, Niang, I think they are favorites to win this tournament. And I'd say, I think they'll win this group. Um, so, and probably Algeria comes second with, you know, they, they also have some t- talent. Uh, they're lacking a little in midfield. Uh, they've been playing uh, Figuli as a center mid in their new system. Uh, probably Tanzania. Tanzania will be out for me. They'll be, probably come fourth. Kenya have at least some, uh, some, players such as Victor Wanyama and whatnot. Uh, so for me, probably Tanzania will, will make the cut here. Um, anybody else have something on Senegal? I, I, I thought he kind of jumped ahead a little bit. I kind of look at them as favorites in this thing too, but uh, it, let's say they're gonna Senegal are going to play Algeria. What's the gap between Senegal and Algeria right now? John? Uh Between Senegal and Algeria, I mean, technically, Algeria uh, would be, would be the, the the second on that on that in that group for me, uh, just for for their forwards and then their ability that you know they can get some goals from a Riyad Mahrez and a Faguli and, and these these guys, but their Senegal has a large gap <laughs> between a lot of African nations. Um, um, Maybe excluding Ivory Coast for me personally, but um, you know if, if, we're, if we're talking about between Algeria and Senegal, there is a pretty wide gap there. Just again, we're talking about 
when African nations play, these, these teams, they don't have a lot of uh, um, stability in terms of – it's a very free-flowing game. And, you know, they try to hit you on the counter and win balls back, but there's no structure really. But um, as Fadi pointed out, the, the manager has really got them playing almost like European teams where it's like you're, you're pressing – Starting with Sane, you're pressing well, you're defending well, you're tracking back well, and there's a structure to keep possession. And then they have world-class players. So I just think that gap is, is too much for anybody in that group, really. Well, and you mentioned Ivory Coast. Let's go to Group D. Morocco, Ivory Coast, South Africa, and Nambia. Um, Ivory Coast, um, they missed out on the last World Cup usually an African power, usually one of the better teams uh, in Africa. Um, how does the Ivory Coast look so far, Seb? Uh, I feel like they're going through that transition period. They don't have that main guy, that, that goal scorer uh, that they used to rely on. They, they've had them year in and year out. They've had, had that guy who's very imposing, but he's not there anymore. They, they're going through changes with coaching. Even though they did, they did win the tournament two years ago, but it's still that transition. They're pretty much living off the name now. But I do see them going through. They're, they're very strong on defense. Very stable midfield like they used to, but again, they lost players there. I feel like it's going to take time for them, but they'll go through. I don't see them going too far into the tournament. Well, and but also... There is a gap. But yeah. There is a gap, like, but like it was said before. There is a gap between all these. Well, and there's also interesting because this is a team that does have a large sort of league gun contingency, uh, a fairly large league gun contingency here. Um, and probably one of the biggest names in that group would be Nicola Pepe. Is he mm-hmm. now? He is right now. T- 20, uh, how old is Nicola Pepe? 24 years old. So he's not, you know, he's not 19, he's not 20, he's 24 years old. He's about to go to a major, um, European club, whatever club that may happen to be. Is this his tournament to break out in? Like, can he really do something in this tournament to raise his stock even more than it already is? I won't. I won't say it's make it or break it for him, but he he does have to confirm. He is that household name now on the team. It happened over one season. He has to confirm. But I think it won't. It won't have too much input on who he goes to over the summer, because I do see him changing things. But it won't have too much input on who he goes to over the summer. But he does have to confirm because it's the big stage for him. He is looked at as the new face of the team. They missed out on the World Cup. They, they weren't looking for that guy. He is that guy now. Yeah, he, he's the next, he's the next great, um, he could be the next great, uh, Ivorian scorer. And that, that does carry some pressure because the guy before him was pretty, uh, was pretty good. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty, uh, yeah. Right, now let's go to what I would call the weakest of these groups. By, I would say, a large margin. Um, Tunisia, Mali, Mauritania, and Angola. Uh, Fadi, anything you want to say about that group? I mean, uh, Tunisia, I mean, they are probably the best African left back in Sassi, uh, who plays for Al Ahli uh, in Egypt. Um, other than that, there's not much. Uh, for me, I don't want to be offensive, but there's almost to watch here. I don't think Mauritania will make it uh, through, but uh, uh, Tunisia and Mali will probably be the top two. Maybe Angola third, or you can interchange Angola and Mali. But I think Tunisia are going to win this group. Is it all right if I just go back to Group E for a moment? Uh, yeah, wanted... of course. Sorry, I just wanted to mention Morocco's uh, Hervé Renard, who, who's probably uh, he's their manager, and uh, who's probably. Uh, He's won the AFCON twice, uh, once with Ivory Coast and once with Zambia. And uh, he, he is an experienced manager, at least in this tournament. He, granted, he has won both of them on penalties. Uh, but Morocco could be you know, a dark horse. And uh, when it just comes to Ivory Coast, I don't think we can just uh, breathe by Ivory Coast without mentioning uh, Wilfred Zaha. 
who's an outstanding dribbler for, for Crystal Palace. He will provide threat going forward. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, that's, I, I just thought that was uh, yeah. useful to mention. Um, absolutely. Um, anybody sure, else uh, have anything on Group E? You do not have to have anything on Group E, but anybody else have anything else? To piggyback on what Friday said just now, the problem with Ivory Coast, I feel like they have too many of the same players. Nicolas Pepe is a, is a goal scorer, but remember, let's let's remember that Leo's system is is designed around him. He was trying. They also did try to play him as a nine last year, and it, it failed big time. But I think him, Wolfrid, Zaha, and all these guys, it's pretty much the same thing. They're the same guys, dribblers going forward, fast-paced players, similar to Salah. They do provide some goal threat, but are you looking for them to give you that throughout the whole tournament? I feel like they'll go through streaks where they two, three games they don't score, and then the next game they'll get you a brace or a hat trick. That, that's the reason why, I mean, I'm not going to say I down-talk Ivory Coast, but I'd, put, I'd take Mali over them, to be honest. I know they're not in the same group, but I'd say Mali is the stronger team in between them. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, Molly has a has a bunch of other league gun players in there. Not a not well, including guys like Hamari Traore, who's a pretty uh, who's a pretty decent center back. Um, uh, Bubakar Kuyate of Trois. Um, not a bad. Uh, and also their um, their main I guess would be the, their main striker would be Khalifa Koulibaly, wouldn't it? Sad, it would be him, and I also like I also like Ibusuma, who was at Leo last year. Very good player. I actually like him in midfield. Mm. All right, so we'll head into uh, if there's nothing more on E. We'll head into Group uh, F, which is the last group here. Uh, interesting uh, two horse race at the top: uh, Cameroon and Ghana. Um, uh, John, which of those two teams is stronger going into this tournament? Um, I personally am going to go with Cameroon, uh, just because I think they're more well-rounded. Um, you know, Ghana, you know, they have the, the I think the AU brothers and, and, and Thomas Patrick and, you know, they have, they have some good players there, but, uh, and then they, you know, I hate to mention that they knocked us out, um, by my country, the Congo, trying to get into the World Cup uh, last year. We lost to them and we weren't able to get in, but, um, yeah, I think, I think Cameroon has, uh, you know, they're proven, you know, and I think when we're talking about tournaments, um, in, in any, in any confederation, in any continent, uh, you know, it's just about experience. It's about, you know, in any sport, really look at, you know, the NBA the other night, you know, the, the Toronto Raptors, you look at the teams that they were playing. Kawhi Leonard, he's experienced. You've been, you've been here. So I, I, I'm going to go with experience there. Uh, just, just based off of that, that I don't think that there's a, there's a big gap between the two teams, uh, between the two nations. So I'm going to go with the experience to say Cameroon, uh, just slightly above them. But I do think those two teams, them and Ghana are going to come out of that group. Uh, Fadi, you're, uh, who would you say is the better team right now, Cameroon or Ghana? Yeah, sorry. So yeah, Fadi, who would you say is the better team right now, Cameroon oh, or so, Ghana? Sorry, sorry about that. Um, I, I, I'd say Cameroon actually. Uh, I'm sorry. I'd say Ghana actually. Um, I don't know if Cameroon have a new manager in Karen uh, Sidorf, uh, but Joel Matip and Nicholas Nkulu are both still refusing to play for for the national side, and I don't think that makes for a, a, a very happy camp. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Cameroon will win the group. I, I, they might even come third. Uh, Benin uh, could could cause an upset. Uh, Steve Mounier, who plays for Huddersfield, I know they didn't have the best season, but uh, he he is still uh, a threat going forward. Um, so I, I think Ghana might might win this one, and Guinea Guinea Bissau might uh, end up fourth. Hey, uh, I also I also wanted to mention that um, Cameroon have one of the better goalkeepers in this tournament. Uh, he's the young Ajax uh, goalkeeper. Yeah. So I, I I also think that that's going to be a big factor for them. Uh, Seb, who do you did you uh, chime in on who is better, Cameroon or Ghana? Uh, I'll say this: Ghana is much better because let's remember here, Cameroon did lose Benjamin 
Alright. Perfect. Uh, so, let's... Yeah, so don't worry about it. Let's, uh, let's go in and just pick our... Let's say if we had three favorites to win this tournament. Um, we'll start with Seb. Who would your three favorites to win this tournament be? I'll put Senegal. I'll take Morocco over Algeria. And I'll take Nigeria over Ghana. Okay, so those are your three. What about you, Fadi? Interesting. No, Egypt. I'd, I'd say Egypt, uh, Senegal, and Morocco. Um, John, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with, uh, Nigeria, um, Senegal, and I'm sticking with, I'll go with Morocco. I'll oh. go with Morocco, yep. Alright, um, I, I do find that interesting. All of you had Senegal. Can we, can we say Senegal is the favorite? Probably. So. They're better. Actually, uh, they're well coached. They are well coached. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how much home soil makes a difference. And um, let's uh, finish off with uh, player-wise. We all know who the stars are, but just list off a few players, if you can, that maybe the casual fan doesn't necessarily know a lot about, but will... Uh, know a lot about after the tournament is over. I'll start with uh, Fadi. Um, I'd say uh, Yusuf Sabali of Senegal, um, the fullback. He he is good going forward. Uh, defensively, recovers very well. Wilfred um, Ndidi, uh, he, he's not the most exciting of players, but he will prove very helpful for Nigeria. Uh, Mahmoud Chezegeh, uh, of Egypt, he he, he's, he he creates a lot of chances. Doesn't always finish them. Hopefully, if he finds some finishing form, he will be one to watch. Nice, uh, John. Who do you have as uh, players who could uh, turn it on here and really make a name for themselves? Yeah, I'm gonna just a uh, like an honorable mention. Uh, Frank Kessie, uh, he plays for AC Milan. He's a Ivorian midfielder. He's been like on the rise. I think he's one to watch. But um, for me, I've already mentioned Wilfred and Didi. But for me, it's, it's uh, Ismail Assar from uh, Stade Rene in Liga. Uh, I think he was one of the standouts. If we remember with the World uh, the World Cup for Senegal, you know, Mane and Niang were kind of getting the you know getting the goals and stuff. But he was very very impactful just on their wing and and Sabali, uh, as Sebastian mentioned, on the just 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 running up the pitch from that left side. But Ismail Sar was was very dangerous on that right side. And he pretty much can play any one of those front threes, uh front three uh spots in the in the, at the top. He had like eight goals and six assists in Liga, uh four goals in the Europa League this year. I think he's gonna he's gonna have another breakout tournament. And Seb, your uh your players to watch. I really like Eve Basuma a lot. That, that was my guy last year. Uh, I'll say the Moroccan team as a whole, even if they did miss, they almost did not make it, but they have some super interesting players. But also, I like Ndidi a lot. I think Basuma and Ndidi are going to be the two of the best midfielders in the tournament. I'll say. So these, these two are my guys. Nice, guys. This was, uh, I'd say very informative. You guys, uh, have gotten me ready for this tournament. I'm gonna fit it into my schedule, make sure I get as many games in as I can. Um, let's go around the table. Just, uh, tell everybody, uh, if you want them to follow you on Twitter, that where they can do that. And, uh, we'll ride off into the sunset here. Seb, uh, how can people follow you? Lord Kettle Fisher, L-O-R-D-S-E-B, officials O-double-F-E-T-I-E-L, French. Perfect. Uh, Fadi? Uh, you, guys, you guys can follow me at uh, Ramlayaf, it's R-A-M-L-A-Y-A-F, on Twitter. And you're covering African football, right, year-round? Yeah, more or less. 
Perfect. And John, how can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at God for short, G-O-D-F-R-S-H-O-R-T on Twitter. Um, you can uh, check out my new article that I just uh, wrote for PSG Talk, uh, kind of talking about Neymar and the picture of Rihanna and the kind of backlash with that. And So, yeah, just uh, check that out and follow me on Twitter. And you can follow me at Mark Damon one This has been a PSG Talking Presents production. Um, you can follow PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcast, PSG Talking. Um, and our new, uh, our new show, which since this will come out after the, uh, introduction of that, you will, should well know about it by then. Um, make sure to, uh, go to our website, www.psgtalk.com. All right. Um, this is one of two of these previews. We will also be doing a, uh, Copa America preview with, uh, PSG Talk contributor Cosa Espinosa and a friend of the show and, uh, Canary and Blue host Chase Hayslip. So be on the lookout for that. That should come out after this show drops. Um, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun summer of football, a little bit less hectic than the last one. Uh, World Cups always take up so much time and energy. But uh, these should be fun tournaments. Uh, Seb, Fadi, and Sean, thank you for joining me. And uh, this has been your uh, PSG Talk contributor, Mark Damon, uh, saying au revoir for now.